Welcome to our first episode of the Beauty and the Brain podcast. Um, I'm Jules, and with me is... Seven. And uh, we are two cis women who are from the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> and we had this um, bright idea to take advantage of our um, the global pandemic that's currently going on in the world in 2020. And uh, create a podcast where we talk about what we care about, which is our mental health and doing full beats of makeup. This podcast will evolve as we go through this process, but we'll talk about all different types of things that relate to our mental health and the way that the world sees us and the way that we present ourselves in the world. But we thought for our first episode, we could just talk about... 2020 COVID-19 stuff and how that's affecting our lives. Maybe less so our beauty for this first one, but. <laughs> I think it's impacting my beauty and that I don't care about my beauty anymore. <laughs> I will say that um, working from home, I have a whole thing to set up my video calls where I make sure I set up in front of a light source so the light is hitting my face and I try to have my camera tilted up a little bit so I look really, you know, beautiful. Um, also, Zoom, see, uh, Insider Tip, has a setting that's like uh, smooth or beautify your skin and it like blurs your skin. You can turn that on. Where is <laughs> Um It's in the settings. I'll show you after we get off this. Um, okay. Wow, that's incredible. Yes, I am a full-on expert. (laughs) Do you ever have to take videos of yourself? Um, I try not to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like how I appear in video, and I'm sure I'm going to hate how I sound over audio. Um, I don't know what it is. I love just regular pictures of me most of the time, but not a video. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate to that. I've already... um, gotten myself ready for the idea of having to edit this and listen to my own voice and I'm just going to pretend it's someone else. (laughs) Today is April 16th and I think I have been social distancing or quarantining or whatever. I guess quarantining is not the correct term. I've been social distancing and not leaving my house, not going to the gym for six weeks. How about you? I'm at four and it feels like a year. Oh my god. I... I'm not doing great. <laughs> yeah, luckily my, I mean, I don't know if it's luckily or not, but my company was super proactive about shutting down um, and being socially distant, like, as soon as they had any, like, necessary medical statistics to do so. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and uh, Dash, my husband, has he's closer I think he's like three weeks because he was still going out and providing therapy to people um for a couple weeks after I was like stopped going to the gym what do you mean when you say uh you're it's rough well I mean I have had a rough go of it for the past like six months because I just moved to Denver from Chicago and it's just been like anxiety, depression, like this constant, just unsettled feeling um, and just like never feeling like I can get my feet on the ground and feel in any way stable. And then just as things were kind of looking okay, like I finally got Sunny, my partner, to um, agree to getting a dog 
Yeah. And we were, I was like settling and going to school and meeting people. And then literally the second that things were like, okay, I don't feel great, but getting some sense of normal. It was like, hide yourselves in your house forever until we tell yeah. you can leave. Um, and so being like socially distanced from any of the people that I've met here and then on top of that already being distant from my friends and family and like my entire support system pretty much it's yeah. just like really done a number on me and you know just it's a lot of time alone with your thoughts oh, that's <laughs> a lot the of time worst part. alone with your feelings I know yeah. and like I feel I feel really blessed that I get to see my therapist twice a week I get to be social distancing with a partner not yes. totally alone and I mean thank god for like zoom calls and everything getting to like chat with friends but it's rough I feel trapped it is close to impossible finding a therapist who takes insurance I don't oh know why god. that is and it's insane it took me four months to find my therapist after I moved to Portland it took oh. four fucking ever it was absolutely ludicrous um, I can relate in the piling on sort of feeling because I had also moved from Chicago to Portland in July and was working from home. Um, and so I went through a whole roller coaster of like adjusting to working from home and, um, moving and not knowing anyone and the whole mental health journey of, not having any boundaries and so I just couldn't stop thinking about work and I couldn't stop thinking about not having friends and there was no time to stop doing any of those things oh and God, um so then this global pandemic happens and on one hand I'm like okay I guess I kind of have already gotten out this roller coaster of like feeling shitty and isolated working from home mm -hmm. but then now I would just I'm watching almost every single other person I work with do that like whole roller coaster of like just right. when you don't have anyone to bounce any ideas off of it's not good for humans <laughs> <laughs> it is not a good place to be I feel that I feel like the only person I have right now like regularly to bounce anything off of is Sonny and I feel like he's going to kill me like <laughs> it's just it's too much especially someone who's like dealing with like really heavy anxiety and depression like all you want to do is just talk about it and get it out and then like you're just stuck in an apartment with this person and you're like no matter how much you love them it, it's just yeah they're not a therapist it's a lot <laughs> Well, even my husband, who is a therapist, isn't my therapist, and he doesn't need to <laughs> be therapizing me. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, for real. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's the, also, I, I used to love just my walk to the gym, my time at the gym, and seeing other humans, and like, looking at them. I was telling some clients that I have yesterday that I really miss small talk with just random people on the fucking street, and oh, smiling oh, at them. And now when people are wearing masks, you, like, can't see their smiles. You can't see if they're, like, trying to no. be nice to you or anything. It's, like, so fucking weird. It's a dystopian nightmare, for sure. I hate it. You I the words hate right not talking to strangers. I never thought I would say those words. I used no. to think that I was, like, an ambivert. 
and never in my life will I think that again. I'm like, I need just to like sense people around me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to just like. Right before COVID yeah. happened, I went to a coffee shop to work and I could tell how thirsty I was by how much I was like making faces at this baby that came into the coffee shop. I was like literally like leaning out of my chair like a goddamn monkey for this baby just to get it to smile at me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the thirstiest person on planet Earth. <laughs> parents julia (laughs) (laughs) they're like looking at me like what the actual fuck is this chick doing i can also relate that i feel super lucky that i have a job that my job is fine that my husband has a job but i've been like worried sick about my parents my dad Mm. is a chef and he got laid off um everyone who he works with isn't working anymore Mm. And my mom is the primary breadwinner, and luckily she works for a company. She's worked there for lots, many years, but also they, like, reached out to her. My mom has autoimmune disorders and things like that, and they were telling her, like, you never have to worry about your job during this time, and she's an office manager, so part of her responsibility is physically going into work and making sure that everything is good to go and picking up mail and stuff, and they're not even letting her do that because they're just afraid of her being exposed to anything, and she's one of those um, populations that gets to go to the grocery store, you know, first thing in the morning, right after it's disinfected. And so I've been like worried about her getting sick, but also like her being the primary breadwinner and also not feeling well. And my dad being there all the time, I'm sure driving her crazy. And my older brother also lives with my parents. So it sounds like a circus. And when I compare that to like my mental health journey, like I, you know, when I was in college, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I was just stressed out and I just was in chronic pain and I, you know, was in college. So I didn't have like the most stable living situation. Not that I had a bad one, but just everything was, you know, you move every single year and, Mm -hmm. you know, through like starting to work out and seeing therapists and doing that for like 10 years, I finally don't feel like I'm like in chronic pain anymore. And I feel like and especially I live in a, I have a very safe home environment and that has done wonders for like my physical health and my mental health. And I can't imagine what my mom is going through with having like a kind of crazy living situation and then also being in, you know, physical pain. Right. I mean, I'm so glad for you that like you've been able to work through these things and have the resources, but it just makes me also feel so much for the people who don't. And, yeah. like, thank God you were able to get therapist for the past 10 years, and, like, you're in a safe place. And then it makes me, like, come back to this whole social distancing thing, like, sheltering in place. And I'm thinking about these people who maybe have these, like, similar, like, diseases or whatever and, like, these illnesses. And on top of that, struggling with mental health or abusive <sighs> family situations or home lives. And yeah. it's really fucking creepy it like really is kind of terrifying. And then that kind of brings me to like what I'm, my whole thing around this social distancing thing is, and I'm, it's gonna sound, I have to like do a disclaimer. I'm like, I am not suggesting, <laughs> I like, want people to die in saying this. I feel like I need to say that. Um, <laughs> I was talking to my therapist about this. And I'm just like, 
at what point do we start really, really considering the long-term psychological effects of a quarantine or social distancing time, whatever? Because I, like, just looking some of these things up, um, like how it's causing basically another economic collapse and high unemployment rates and high unemployment rates tied to higher suicide rates and all of this shit. And then increasing symptoms of PTSD and worsening depression and anxiety. And it's just this whole like shit storm of like not only people's like well-being with employment, finances, things like that, but the, just the mental toll it can take on people is kind of really terrifying and how we're going to like collectively heal from that is like always top of mind for me absolutely i feel like the trauma that we're all going through right now is going to be passed down to the next generation oh yeah and who knows what that ripple effect will look like you know, my Dash is a, a therapist for, a community mental health therapist, so sometimes he still has to go out into the world to see his clients who are agoraphobic or can't leave their house or their situation for whatever reason, and um, we've been doing a pretty good job of when he has to do teletherapy with people now that we're all um, ice, uh, sheltering in place, of keeping the conversations confidential, but I can still kind of hear some of his rumblings through the wall, and I can hear a lot of the same things that he's just reiterating over and over again, which is like, I don't know, just, which is just that we are there. We can't have any expectations for ourselves individually as a society. This is so unprecedented. Like who knows what's going to, yeah, all these ripples and how it's going to affect everyone. And and especially people like I feel so lucky that I have this job where I work you know remotely and it's fine that's the industry that I work in but I'm like a sliver of a chance away of having gone down like the restaurant industry path and you know that's not a bad thing to do it's a living it's a perfectly acceptable living of course and like I was yeah, um, how you would have been out by that yeah, the airline industry has about 750,000 workers that the government bailed out, and the restaurant industry has like 2.5 million people that contribute to it. Like, they absolutely deserve a bailout from our governments. And did you also hear about how the $1,200 stimulus check was um, calculated? It was basically calculating like an $8 minimum wage if you worked 40 hours a week. <laughs> $1,200 is how much you would make. Isn't that just True. make you want to? Yeah, I, I want to go back to the thing you said about like not having expectations on ourselves because I think that that is so huge and I think it's going to be so critical to like people getting through this, but it's also as someone who is extraordinarily self-critical <laughs> and <laughs> has like insistence for myself even while like absurdly depressed and anxious like other than like just going to therapists because sometimes it's not accessible it's like how right. do we get rid of this expectation like how do we come to terms with the fact that we're not going to be as productive or productive at all yeah and people losing their jobs like how do they get through the day trying to find things to do because I'm in school right now and like just this week we have off 
and I'm already not in a great place when we're in school and then now having a week off like create my own schedule to try to like just get through the day but knowing that it's all just bullshit it's all just bullshit and I'm just throwing things together Mm -hmm. and it's like how how can we possibly extend this level of kindness to ourselves that we need to have it's it feels truly impossible at times Maybe that's just because I am mean to myself, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think we have similar brain damage. <laughs> it, I, I feel um, definitely the same, the, the same way. And my problem is I'm very anxious. And so I turn in, I mean, obviously we're starting a podcast. <laughs> so like I take, you know, situations like this and I, and I feel like I need to keep swimming in order to feel okay about it. I need to be figuring out some way to fill up my time or whatever. And I know that's not necessarily the most healthy way to approach the situation because at the end of the day, you know, I'm still worried sick about my parents. I'm still worried about my own job, my husband's job, and I'm not giving myself the space to say those worries are hours, minutes, stress added to my day that I I should, you know, account for. Um, I follow this Instagram account that is really cool. It's called the Nap Ministry, and it's run by a woman of color in Atlanta, and her whole thing is that rest is a completely radical act, and it is an anti-capitalist act to just lay down and not be productive and to rest, and you are, like, freeing yourself of the shackles of our entirely broken economic system by just taking a nap and while on one hand I love reading the posts and and liking them commenting on them and on the other hand I still am just so mean to myself and I'm like fall into you know feeling like I need to be productive and we were talking the other week that was I was saying like sometimes it feels more comfortable for me to be anxious and lean into my anxiety because that's what I've always done and even and it might be uncomfortable for me to be more healthy about it but that might be what I need to be doing oh my I it's so crazy you're even talking about this because I had a therapy session this afternoon and this is like some of the exact same things we were talking about because I was sharing about how I feel this tremendous shame and guilt around rest and just like doing nothing. Like I only feel, and I was comparing my current self to my previous self, like when I would go on vacation and stuff and I'm like, oh, well, I think I could relax then. And like, I could like lay by the beach. Like the thing about that is like, I only allowed myself to relax because I knew that the next week I would be back to work or I knew the next day we would be going on a trip elsewhere or we'd be doing something else. It's like, I never just let it be for the sake of letting it be. It's always because I'm like, well, I will be productive. So it's okay to be relaxed now. And it's like, why can't I just let myself be without forcing this level of productivity on myself without like this expectation um, like I'm some like it's somehow more acceptable to mm-hmm. just relax if you're going to make up for it later. Um, yeah, the way you're describing this so, makes yeah, makes me think of like a ledger, and that makes me think like, of course, I would never have a ledger for my relationship with anyone else. Why mm-hmm. would you have a ledger for mm-hmm. y- yourself? 
that okay exactly. now rest now but that means i have to be productive later that's so crazy crazy is a terrible word oh, wild like, <laughs> yeah for for a podcast talking about mental health we're like that's insane <laughs> that's <Jeez>. psychotic <laughs> Uh, but it's so it's so true it's like where I always like question I'm like where did I get this instilled in my brain because my mom when I was growing up my mom didn't have a job she was a homemaker which okay Mm. sorry that's a job being homemaker is a job um but she wasn't in the workforce Mm -hmm. um and I that was like my role model like that was like the person that I saw as like a female role model was someone who's like took care of the home and she would relax and all these things but I think that like from a combination of seeing that and then seeing like how women are portrayed in media and these expectations of like going to work and being this high-powered like female worker like CEO whatever I'm just like I have these like weird comparisons and so for me I almost like struck this balance of seeing my mom like okay it's okay to be someone who rests but I also have to be that like mm-hmm. I have to be this hard-working workplace woman and then that makes it okay to relax how did your dad approach work um, was he a workaholic dad, he kind of I mean he I wouldn't say he was like incredibly ambitious in terms mm. of like climbing the ladder but he worked insanely hard to provide a sense of stability Mm. like he didn't want to take any risks didn't want to push for promotions or anything like that he didn't want to like shake anything up but he worked his ass off and he traveled a lot and he would work like 14 hour days sometimes and um so he worked a lot at a job that I know he hated most of the time um and I feel like these were my influences, like someone mm-hmm. who just worked their asses off at something they don't even like. And then a person whose job was just to like take care of children and then like rest. And so it was just like, uh, strike this balance, be both. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like an impossible task. And I think that that's where a lot of like these expectations come from. Yeah. I mean, if this is, I think this is going to be fascinating as we go through this podcast, how our relationship is going to evolve because a lot, we were talking about like a lot of your memories of my husband was like what I told you when we first started dating, you know, eight years ago. And a lot of my memories of you are when we were both in high school and I'm sure also both dealing with trauma that we had no idea we were dealing with, but we were super high functioning uh, super involved, super NHS, uh, National Honor Society, AP classes, like, I think we definitely saw a future for ourselves where we would have it all and be super productive and be these, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. career women. Oh, yeah. No, that is so incredibly on point, and I feel like there's times now, like, dealing with mental health that I'm just, like, I'm a failure. Like I look back on like myself in high school and all these like ideas that I had for myself. And I'm like, what was all that for Devin? Like, and I think part of the reason why everything just feels so surreal now and dealing with what I'm dealing with is because I'm like, I never thought that this was possible. I never thought that like expressing and feeling these things was possible. It was never, never even in my realm of understanding in high school. That's so Um, poignant. I mean, in my, in my family, 
the only like emotion that was accepted was annoyance and joy. So it's like, wow. <laughs> if you're not of those two, what is that feeling and how can you fix it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm dealing with is like just trying to figure out that these feelings that you and I both are feeling and so many people are feeling like that those are okay and they don't mean that you are going to be stuck feeling those things or feeling that way it's just like Mm -hmm. I don't know it's just a much more realistic picture of what the world and life can be yeah and I think taking the that logic another step that's like it's okay to feel any sort of way and it's okay to also fuck up and not be healthy about how we address a fucking global pandemic you know it's okay to i've been eating a lot of zebra cakes which is my comfort food (laughs) and i and i don't want to talk i'm so fucking sick of getting on the phone with people and being like i'm gonna be so fat after this pandemic that is such a ridiculous terrible wrong way to like diet culture toxicity we should sometime at some point get a diet like uh an expert in how a toxic diet culture in our society um but uh so but it's okay to not respond you know to to not respond to the most healthful way to this situation um which I think yeah I need to be okay with like it's like I'm I'm like it's okay to f- react differently but but then my like second brain comes in and it's like but not you you have to be perfect you know oh my god yes yes oh my god what it's is like that if anyone, no if anyone I knew was telling me that they're like oh my gosh I'm really like eating more than I'm used to I'm even like drinking a little bit more I'm like really I'm laying in bed all day I'd be like you're alive good for you yeah but me like get out of bed and start trying to do something try to exercise do something valuable I'm a failure and I should probably just like kill Mm -hmm. myself like suicide oh my god yeah (laughs) I've definitely we should do a whole suicide episode (laughs) I'm getting that's such a fun new episode we could do (laughs) Jesus oh my god the brain suicide (laughs) yay um and we're not even talking about the band um yeah uh oh I wanted to bring come um come back to your family situation um because I think that's interesting it's an interesting dynamic because I had a almost the opposite going on growing up my mom was the whole was worked my parents both worked and would often take turns being the breadwinner, um, depending on whose job was shittier at the time and whatever job they could get. But once I was in second grade and my dad um, got very sick from being stressed out and had to take a lot of time off work, ever since then, my mom was the primary breadwinner, made like more than three times what my dad made. Um, yeah. And it's not that my mom was like a super career oriented person. It was more that I felt that she felt that it was necessary for her to do that. And she had no other choice. So she just kind of stood up, got up to the plate and provided any way that she could. Yeah. Whereas my dad, um, 
you know, he's a chef and he was able to get a job that had more flexible hours than the majority of restaurant jobs. And that was really good for him to be able to have more of that time to rest. And he totally raised me. He was always like from the first time I, from when I came out of the room, out of the womb, he was like, you're a feminist. You are never going to do anything a man tells you to do. You're the fucking best. You're the shit. You're going to do anything. You're so smart. You're so pretty. You're so great. So I had, I, I completely gulped that up, completely instilled that. And I mean, especially like you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about comparing yourself to your high school self, because in a lot of ways, I feel like I peaked in high school because I was so confident and I had, I just did so many things and I was just so high functioning and I was really being, it was really easy for me to live up to those expectations that I had on myself. And I don't even really feel that my parents had those expectations on me. They were just trying to be encouraging. Right. And yeah. yeah. And, and then, you know, it's a couple years out of college and I'm like, oh my God, I hope people from college or high school don't look at my LinkedIn and judge me which is just like a crazy and absurd. I have a job and it's fine, you know? But there's that feeling of failure never goes away. I identify with that on so many different levels. And I think it's so different, like, or it's really interesting to me, like the different ways that we were raised because you're saying like your dad basically instilled this whole like very feminist viewpoint and just like incredible self-confidence and like you don't need to like do anything a man says and I feel like in my family I was I came out of the womb just knowing that and then it was taken away from me a little like little by little um not even by anything explicit or anything that I can like 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 explicitly recall but it's just like I think I just like started it was never encouraged it was never like that attitude I had was never really supported it was just there and then I started associating like the lack of like explicit support as that's not the right thing Mm -hmm. um and then it just instilled a bunch of self-doubt um so I kind of went like the opposite way (laughs) yeah um and I also thought it was really interesting how we use the phrase high functioning because I I feel like even compared to our high school selves, the amount that we are doing currently with how we're experiencing life and what we're going through is still incredibly high functioning. And I wish that there wasn't this parallel between high functioning and high productivity. Oh my God. Um, because yeah like I feel like I shouldn't compare myself just because I was able to sleep only four hours a night while doing homework and being in clubs and plays and sports and shit like in what world is that what we should be and what we should do like I hate this comparison and saying like oh my god I was so on top of things I was like great I'm like no I was exhausting myself and I was draining myself of like any will to do anything I genuinely enjoyed. I was doing shit that you thought we had to do. And it's like, why should we call that high functioning? That's pretty low functioning. That's pretty, yeah. like, that's like not doing great things for ourselves. 
That's an amazing point. I just had an extremely vivid flashback as you were telling me, talking to me, which was, it was like summertime and we were both get at the high school. I think I was doing my flag squad practice and you were doing lacrosse. And I remember you coming up to me and you had really strong quads because you were training for lacrosse and you showed me your legs and you were like, can you believe how sexy and strong my legs are? Please feel my legs. They are so strong and sexy. And I was like, wow, your legs are so strong and sexy. I'm so incredibly jealous. And could you imagine if that was a conversation we had today? Oh my God, look at how strong and sexy my legs are. Was That's so crazy. I, can't, I shouldn't use that word. I'll stop using it, but wow. We're going to try, but yeah. no promises on that one. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I don't. I have no recollection of that, but that sounds exactly like me, mm -hmm. like my sophomore year. <laughs> yep. That sounds precisely like the shit that I would say. Yeah, and I feel like now, whenever I say something like that, it's so forced, and I'm doing it to try to, like, bring back some semblance of that person, but I don't, like, believe it, and that's so yeah. shitty. It's with this level yeah. of, like, facetiousness that's, like... I'm so strong and sexy. This is a joke, right? Laugh with me, you know? Right, yeah. It's almost like it's become cool just to laugh at ourselves and, like, I don't yeah. know. I don't like it. I want the way that we live to change fundamentally. Yeah, I don't know what the right answer is. And I don't know, like you were saying, we, were, we, we look back on those times and we say that we were high functioning, but we were actually low functioning, which is like, maybe we look back on those times and we think we were so confident and awesome. And really, we were faking it then too. We just don't remember yeah. how we felt or how uncomfortable it was. Yeah, I think we're just way more aware, aware. and we're very awake we're very <laughs> awake to like what it is to actually feel confidence and I think yeah. back then any kid who was actually confident back then I think was probably just stupid like <laughs> I feel like I can't imagine being 15 years old and being genuinely secure and confident in who I am as a person like I feel For like real. it must have been an act that I was put in I feel like now I'm going through like serious depression because I'm realizing just how much of my life that I really like put on this pedestal mm -hmm. has kind of been a lie in a lot of ways. Like I'm grieving this like loss of an idea that my childhood was picture perfect. I'm like grieving the loss of this idea that high school was like an amazing time. I'm like there were amazing moments, sure, but there were also really fucked up times and I was mm -hmm. faking my way through it. I remember... um I had a teacher, Mr. Micheletto. Oh! <laughs> I, I love this man so much, um, but I would never show it. He, <laughs> I like never expressed anything in high school. I didn't have time mm -hmm. for feelings. You but didn't. there was one time um, he came up to me and he said, uh, he's like, do you pretend not to feel anything because you're like afraid of how deep your feelings can be? And I was like, shut up, Satan. <laughs> Like, how fucking rude of this man. Had anyone ever said that to you before or anything like that? Never in my life. Oh, my God. And that's why it has stuck with me for the past 12 years. Because I was just like, how does this man, how is he the first person to see me and call me out on it? And, like, why haven't my parents done that? 
Yeah. It was the craziest wow. moment. I want to write to him and tell him what he did to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not in like a me too way, in a very nice, he did a good no. thing way. <laughs> I want to tell him what he did to me. <laughs> When I was in my senior year, I mean, let's just, we're, this is a podcast about mental health, so let's just get, get ready, get started. I had been, I had phys- sexual abuse as a child, and when I was a senior in high school, I disclosed to my parents that I had been sexually abused, which set off a chain of events that was, that set off my first major depressive episode. My mom had to report the abuse, and then I had to go to like state sanctioned therapy and I had to make a police report and all of these things that were incredibly traumatic and stressful for me and Mm -hmm. being that this was the first time I'd ever dealt with anything like that I was a huge asshole to all of my friends and they fucking hated me and I hated them and um so I was like completely isolating myself because no one wanted to be around me because I didn't want to be around myself and I was feeling super depressed and I was like sleeping in my lunch breaks and um, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's so crazy to look back on those things with, you know, hindsight being 2020 and being able to label, you know, I was feeling depressed or I was, you know, dealing with trauma because at that time, especially we were talking earlier about being mean to ourselves, like I was high high functioning to the world anxious mean talking to myself and then I got depressed and then all my friends hated me like I it was so easy for me to be that much more brutal to myself and therefore more brutal to the people around me because I was completely miserable making myself miserable um so like I'm just glad that I've uh you know gone to enough therapists after that to (laughs) have like a good mindset on it because four years I mean still now I think of myself as being a bad person for how I reacted to that specific situation I'm there with you I mean (sighs) I I don't have the exact same experiences and I'm like I'm like so sorry for what you went through especially like in high school in such a time when it was just like so reliant on friend groups too and I remember that time when they all just like turned their back on you and it was just like I remember just thinking it was the most horrific thing and I remember we were like so close during that time and I was like what is wrong with these people and I remember hearing it from like both sides like I remember hearing things from some of the people in that friend group and hearing from you and I was just like it just didn't make sense to me it seemed so either no matter what like even now knowing like the background behind it I always knew that they were in the wrong (laughs) like I was always like there's something up here like there's just like something weird like who just like as a collective group decides to not be friends with a person and like for no real reason yeah you were one of my only friends during that time that's That's like that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I have nothing to say other than that's fucked up, and people should learn that if someone is going through a difficult time, you ask them about it, and you don't (laughs) just ditch your friends. Well, like, how can I use the lessons that I learned then now to like know that I'm experiencing trauma, that we are all experiencing trauma at this point? 
like, okay, well then maybe that means that if other people are fucking assholes to me right now, I can acknowledge that they're going through something. We're all going through something that sometimes you don't have, you can't see a therapist. You don't have the tools. All you have is just being a dick. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think the best one main thing that I've learned is like going through significant depressive and like panic episodes is like, however I'm treating someone is how I'm treating myself and however I feel about myself and so if that's how I'm operating of course that's how other people are operating and like unfortunately I'm self-aware enough that I hate myself for treating people (laughs) poorly when I'm feeling that way I wish I could just be a dick and not feel anything about it um no I don't but it's just no I do <laughs> um, it's like I remember there was this one time I went to this yoga studio and there was a man who was so mean and like pushing past people to get into this place of peace like he's trying to like shove into this yoga studio and I'm just like he's obviously really going through it and he needs to be here and I'm gonna choose to forgive him instead of being like this fucking bitch. I don't know. I just any trauma probably, but I just feel that there's I just isol- oscillate so much between like feeling so stressed and then feeling like oh there's some things that I can try to be happy about and you know going back and forth. <laughs> what are some things you feel like we could do to be like kinder to ourselves or other people can do to be kinder to themselves during this time or any time? um well well, this time is is what i mean like is life (laughs) this life life, during life (laughs) um so i think one thing that i'm trying to learn and this is coming from two people who are objectively not that kind to themselves so everyone Mm. should take this with a grain of salt everyone all two people who might listen to our first podcast But I think that, like, I read and listen to so many people that have gone through really, really difficult things in their life and have come out of it, and, like, the things that they have learned. Like, one of my favorite couple books right now are The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, um, Unbroken by Glennon Doyle, and then Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt I don't know Um, but all three of these just talk about like authenticity pushing through like mental health and life situations and like how they have come out to like learn what kind is to themselves and like that's why it's really hard for me to say like oh how can we be kind to ourselves because I feel like it can be different for everybody like for me being kind to myself is like it's allowing myself to rest when I've telling myself I should go do laundry instead mm-hmm. and it's like taking time to read these books that I know will make me feel better and it's also really pushing myself to do the things that I know make me feel better instead mm-hmm. of like sometimes I do want to lay in bed and then I'm like you know what I'm going to read that book and then I feel better for having like done something different and so it's like it changes every day that's not helpful to anybody. I just feel like listen to what your body and your mind needs at that time and don't assume that like what is kind in one moment will be kind in another. 
I think you did a great job describing how to approach being kind to yourself. Um, I think that's what, that is what, that's like that next level of, yes, you should be kind to yourself, but also you should be kind to yourself about being kind to yourself. Uh, One of my best friends always says, everything in moderation, including moderation. Like, you know, if being kind to yourself is eating a bunch of zebra cakes, then that also means being kind to yourself after you've eaten the zebra cakes and you do something like take a bath that might be more objectively good for you or whatever. Um, One thing that I, my like anxious brain does in response to the chaos that I grew up in or the chaos of a global pandemic is I really want to put a lot of structure in my life and that makes me feel like I have control and being organized and like, okay, well today I'm going to work from this hour to this hour and then I'm going to do this and this is how I'm going to get through this, you know, situation. And I think that that is not necessarily bad. That's a a step. That's something. But I think also setting up those goals, but not being, not having the expectation that if I don't follow my organized list to the exact T that I'm going to, that automatically means failure or I'm a bad person or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Structure for that level of control. I'm totally there with you. Mm-hmm. It's it all also just seems like you're. It's just such a fine line of all these things. It's like these things are helpful. These things are helpful. These things are helpful. But also, don't get mad at yourself if you don't do them. Yeah. And it's like this back and like I feel like first really start trying to do this work for yourself. It can be the most horrifyingly frustrating thing, <sighs> where you're just like well, I know I'm trying to be kind to myself about not doing it, but maybe it's better to be doing it. And ah, just like this constant, like two people in your head fighting about what's best to do for yourself. And honestly, I haven't found an answer. Yeah. I like just, It's common, I guess. I like the idea of wrapping up like conversations like this, which is in, in the bow that's just like, it's, it's a, you're, it's going to be hard if, no matter what way you slice it, like being alive is being in pain, yeah. you know? And, um, uh, that the, it's more about, it's less about doing things perfectly or doing things, you know, or, or focusing on your mental health for the sake of focusing on your mental health. And it's more about just like the journey of being alive and, and enjoying the experience that you're having currently. And, uh, you know, I hope that I can become a more evolved person that I can actually live those words and not just say them. (laughs) We've both learned a lot in therapy and we can say a lot of great things. It's the application that's tough. So this had almost nothing to do with beauty but (laughs) the end of the episode yeah that's okay this is the first one we're figuring it out um but i do think we should wrap it up with like something fun maybe it should be a beauty thing what beauty thing in your life has been like making you feel good this week Ooh, i just ordered from i know i shouldn't be like ordering online it's bad for warehouse workers i'm sorry but i needed to i ordered um something from sephora that's Mm. supposed to be like this amazing himalayan clay mask for your pores and it has like it's clean beauty supposed to be like super clean super amazing has like five star reviews so 
I'm not using it yet, but the fact that I purchased it, I'm very excited about. Amazing. Um, I have been, so I've been always like trying new things with my skincare and I feel like this is the cycle I always go through, which is I try a bunch of new things. I go too hard. My skin doesn't like it. And then I have to stop doing them and like, let it chill out and then figure it out. So I'm in the part of the cycle where I've let my skin chill out and I'm coming back and putting in just a little bit of retinol on my skin. And Mm -hmm. it is a miracle product. I have one that's from CeraVe that's over the counter. I P.S. I love CeraVe for all skincare. They are so good, um, and that retinol has been making me feel really happy and my skin very smooth. Can you get that at like CVS? Mm-hmm, yeah. Good, because you bitch about to pick it up. I've been mm-hmm. trying to get on retinol, but I never know which ones to get. Yeah, I'm always confused. I, the place I really like to look for information for skincare is our skincare addiction on Reddit. Um, and they recommended the CeraVe retinol for like people who are new to using retinoids or whatever. Super cool. Okay, well, this has been so lovely. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. This has been Beauty and the Bane podcast brought to you by Julia and Devin. We do nothing else but do this, so thank you for listening. A uh, special shout out to Jay Spiewak, our amazing musician intro and outro creator. Much love to the Crow Mag on Instagram.